Crew Call. I'm your host, Kay Montgomery. Before we get started today, I just want to let y'all know about our purpose here at Black Crew Call. It is to expose Black folks to the plethora of positions behind the camera. Y'all, there are so many ways to be involved in TV and movie making. And here, through interviews with Black people in the crafts, I'm talking to cinematographers, wardrobe stylists, editors, camera operators, hairstylists, composers. I could go on and on. By what? But by talking to these Black craftspeople, you will be inspired and informed. You know how they say, they did it, and so can you. So starting off, today's show, we're talking to Michael Cook who is a cinematographer. So Michael Cook is an award-winning director and cinematographer from Atlanta, Georgia. His credits span from commercial work to narrative to documentary. After years of freelancing in the music video world, Michael transitioned into working for international brands such as Apple, American Express, and Walmart commercially. In 2014, he made his directorial debut with a short film, Across the Tracks, that went on to win multiple awards, including Best Diaspora Short Film at the African Movie Academy Awards, Best Short Film at UK's Music Video and Screen Awards, and a Caesar Award from the French Academy of Cinema. Whether directing or shooting, Michael's commitment to sharing stories with social relevance and meaning is evident in all that he masterminds. Welcome, Mike Cook, to our show today, guys. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, so it's good to have you all the way from Atlanta, Georgia today. Yes, ma'am. Feeling good. Yeah. All right. So uh, first, I'm I'm going to ask you all about your path and how you got to where you are. But I wanted to kind of tackle first um, people who may be tuning in, may not be familiar or even know what a cinematographer does. I think I have an idea, but I don't really know. So mm-hmm. I'm coming to you for just kind of the definition. Can you school us on what a cinematographer does, what the job entails? OK, uh, a cinematographer. I've actually never had to define the actual role of a cinematographer. You know, it's on this like uh, the cinematographer is basically the head of, of the camera department and by proxy, the head of the grip and electric department. If you really want to get down into the nitty gritty, but the cinematographer's role is to execute the vision of the director and of the script, both from a technical point of view and a creative point of view sometimes as well. Like, Um, it kind of is a back and a forth and one of those kind of Rubik's cubes that keeps moving because as a cinematographer, it's just like your role is defined, but a lot of it is undefined. Mm. Um, you're a part, you're, you're involved in like staffing up the camera department, staffing up the electrical department with, you know, grips, uh, not grips, but a, a gaffer, best boy. And, um, you know, the people to help you make your project go. So that's kind of the more technical side, you know, understanding the cameras you're going to be using, understand the lenses you're going to be using, understand how the lighting is going to be used, but also from the creative side, understand how all those technical tools are going to impact the creative story that you're trying to tell. So it's like, what type of lens are you going to be using this lens versus that lens? What does that do? What type of lights are you going to be using hard light versus soft light? How do you do that? When do you do that? What is that doing for the story? And then to take it like another level of inception deeper, like how does that impact your budget? How do you talk to the producers to get the stuff that you need? Because the stuff that you need costs money. Uh, So it is kind of hard to define the cinematographer. Like there's the, you know, three line top level view where it's just like you're the head of the camera lighting and electrical department you know you enact the vision of the director that's like it in a nutshell but 
it's so much more than that once you really get into the actual making and doing of the cinematographer's role. So that's a long-winded answer. No, but, I love long-winded answers, yeah. answers, but that's so fascinating because it's one of those things that is both technical, but also mm-hmm. really creative. But then yeah. I realized there was a whole managerial piece mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I mean, you're you're technically the head of the department. And I mean, it really just depends on the size and the scope of the project that you're on. Like, you know, on huge union uh, jobs where everyone is kind of like understands their roles and like operates under the same rules and regulations. This is like you are doing uh, a lot of managerial stuff. But, you know, most times you're just hiring worthwhile people who can manage their own departments like you hire a good gaffer, they're going to hire a good best boy, who's going to hire a good key grip, who's going to hire, you know, good grips to where you're not really micromanaging everyone. You don't want to micromanage anyone when you're a cinematographer. You want to hire good heads of departments who will also in turn hire good people. Uh, so that just lets you do your job more freely, which, you know, when you're actually shooting the job of the cinematographer or the role you should be able to play, it's just kind of really being in tune with the director and enacting that vision. And that really helps if you just know that the people who are working with you that you've hired are of a certain caliber Mm -hmm. and can, you know, really work without needing a lot of direction if I'm just kind of explaining what that means. Uh, But yeah, as you get to some more indie projects or you're, you know, a little bit more scrappier when you're first coming up, it is one of those jobs as a cinematographer where it's just like, you do have to be a little bit more fluid. You do have to be a little bit more aware, uh, you know, because things take money and things take time. And those are the two things you never really have enough of in this industry. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't realize how many levels of trust are, are built in the position and in, in yeah. how many levels you need to have people you trust and you need to be able to work with people that trust you if you're working directly yeah. with the director and his vision. So that's really fascinating. So did you see, are there any hints in your early life that you would have um, pursued a, a path of being a cinematographer? Was there anything from you as a young kid where you go like, mm, yeah, I did like to do X, Y, and Z, and I could see how that led me to do this yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've I've been shooting since I was like 12, 13 years old, really. Like uh my dad had a black and white Minolta. Uh so that was like my first hands-on experience with a camera. Um and from there, like again, I grew up in the South. I grew up in um Atlanta, Georgia. Um it was when when I was like really learning my craft, like I, I really kind of got into it kind of all encompassing. Like I really didn't figure out what a cinematographer did till much later in my college career like I just enjoyed doing everything so by the time I actually was doing all of this stuff like I was already directing I was DPing which is another word for cinematographer director photography I was editing I was producing like as an independent filmmaker you kind of are doing it all so I never really categorized myself until I really had to like people knew me you know around the town I was like oh well Mike shoots like you shoot right and i kind of you know you go back you're like 1920 and i'm like oh you shoot it's like yeah but you kind of already know it's like yeah i shoot but it also means you're going to produce the shoot but also you have to edit it like no one just wants you to shoot very rarely and don't wanted you to shoot just give them the footage so understanding and having a bit of experience in all those different fields kind of led me to just hone my skills as a cinematographer as a director because those were the two uh, roles I was getting hired for the most. If I wasn't directing, I was DPing. And if I wasn't DPing, I was directing. 
And both of those skill sets kind of one hand washed the other. Like people hired me as a cinematographer because I knew how to direct and I could work with the directors more, uh, more cleanly, I guess. Um, people hired me as a director because I knew how to DP, whether it was they wanted a director DP just to kind of like make it a little bit more streamlined or they wanted a director who understood how the visuals are going to impact the story a lot more. Um, so, I mean, even to this day, I'm still doing both. I'm doing a lot more directing than I am DPing, but I still love the ability to always approach the story from first the script and then visually how it's going to look. Like, I think that informs a lot of it. Um, and I want to make sure my vision kind of really, really sets the tone for the type of work I would like to do. So both of those experiences are very, they're very invaluable to me. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I've been doing this since I was like 12, 13 and I've never really done anything else. So just that, that's kind of how I, graduated to this yeah so it wasn't a surprise to anybody that's an interesting fact. no not at, not at all yeah i didn't i didn't stumble backwards into this it was kind of like oh no i want to i want to do this this yeah. is what i want to do yeah so what are your favorite aspects of when you're doing the cinematography piece what are your favorite aspects of that hmm, favorite aspects uh can you give me like a little examples like, i guess i never really heard that question like before. like what's the like um for me, I love hosting. And my favorite mm -hmm. thing about hosting is that no matter who I'm talking to, what I'm talking about, I'm always learning. I'm always going to learn something. Mm, okay. Okay. Uh, I would say, I guess, if in that regard, my favorite aspect is really just a, I don't know, you're, you're, given, you're given a script and you're supposed to chew and digest that script. And creatively, like even as a cinematographer, like I like to... I want to like the project that I'm shooting, you know, it makes it a little bit better. Even from a cinematographer standpoint, uh, I'd like to be engaged in the story and interested in the story. So for me, it's really like after you go through all the prep work and hiring all your crew and figuring out your camera and figuring out your lenses and figuring out the blocking and working with the director and the art department and production design and getting everything right. Then you light it. Then you finally shoot it. It's to me, I guess my favorite aspect of it is like, seeing what all that hard work ends up as. So it's like all this work, all these emails back and forth, all these phone calls, all <laughs> these trucks, all these cords we ran, all these lights we put up, all the makeup we've done. How does it look? Yeah. And like that, that's kind of my favorite aspect of it. It's sort of like, how's it look like, Oh, it looks like how we wanted it to look or uh, it looks a little bit different, but it doesn't mean, you know, like it's always mm -hmm. like, I, I like to say like, I'm, I'm always like a viewer. Like I'm 90% there. And then like the next 10%, I, I, I want to be a viewer. I kind of want to be surprised as well. Like that kind of makes me lean forward in a lot of the things that I do. Um, so yeah, that aspect of finally seeing what all of our prep work has gotten us on set. It's just a really nice feeling. It's like, yeah, all right, cool. We're going to be fine here. Let's, uh, let's do it again. <laughs> You're ending peace. So then what yeah. would be the most challenging um, what's the most challenging part of being a cinematographer, would you say? Ooh, time and money. Mm. Yeah. So I said that before, but like, yeah, that, you have enough, right? <laughs> yeah. Time and money, like in resources, you know, like having the, the time to pull off the more nuanced and fine tuned things that you want to be able to do on set. Um, yeah. The resources to like make that work, you know, sometimes you just don't have a lot of time and then Sometimes you don't have a lot of money and it's not even like money for all the fancy toys. It's like you want to make a shot look bigger, 
but you can't light all of this because you may not have the money to get all those lights. You know, sometimes it's something as simple as that. Um, and it never fails. And it doesn't matter like how big your project is. It's one of those things like you never have enough time. Uh, you never have enough money. Uh, it, it's kind of the weird sort of Shakespearean, I guess, like <laughs> story that's involved with this. It's like oh, almost there, but never quite enough. But you do the best you can. And it makes you more resourceful. Um, and it makes you lean on your uh, collaborators and your counterparts a lot more when you're in those situations. Um, but yeah, that'd be one of the most challenging things, at least in my department, you know? Oh, yeah, that totally, that totally makes sense. Um, so you talked a little bit about, um, I think you mentioned the union. Uh, I wanted to just switch gears and talk a little with mm-hmm. you about the union and the guild, because I know across a lot of crafts, it's very difficult to enter in for Black people. Sometimes it's prohibitive cost-wise, or sometimes mm-hmm. you have to be mentored in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on the union or the guild. What is the union slash guild for uh, cinematographers? And do you participate in it? And what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on it? Uh, I'm a non-union cinematographer. Like I could be union. I could go union like tomorrow if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just haven't yet, honestly. Like okay. it, this is, you know, you're catching me in a year where like I've been very busy and I do a lot. I told you, I do a lot of directing and DPing. Um, so entering the guild, uh, the guild's local 600, you would enter as a cinematographer. Um, but like for me personally, it's nothing that I have found a need to do just yet just based off the type of work and the quality of work that i get but the union is there local 600 is there for the camera departments you know like second acs and dits all the way up to cinematographers um and it's there to help you and it's there to protect you um there are certain shows and movies and things that like you can't do unless you are union you know so like that's really where the the staple is um, and most people kind of work their way up the route, the ladder to become union. You know, you would start low on the totem pole, like camera PA or, or second, second assistant camera, a loader, a digital utility, something where if you're coming into this industry, you can start and work your way up. And because it's kind of the way you have to do it, um, at least in that regard, it's not a... You know, the hardest thing is just getting the jobs like the union doesn't get you the job just allows you to do it. So you still have to be a good networker, a good people person, you know, do good on set, you know, be mindful of your craft. Um, and, you know, some people are able to work up their their days and their hours and hold their, you know, get their money together to facilitate them joining the union. And that's one way in. Um, but yeah, like from a cost standpoint, if you're just trying to go in cold as a camera operator, let's say you've been a non-union camera operator for years and years and now it's like yeah you want to be on a union set because you know union set you know your you know the rules the regulations and what you're getting paid and you know that the set has to abide by them that's where the protections come in um but it's tough sometimes and it's like there's not one way to do it and because i've never really gone that path like i've gone the non-union route for my all of my life and all my Mm -hmm. career and it's benefited me greatly to where like i never really felt a need to join the union. Um, I don't want to speak too much about that process that I don't have any experience with, but you know, I've worked with tons of union folks, you like, you know, on non-union projects and some union projects that I've gotten a waiver to be a cinematographer, but it is just one of those things. Like there's just multiple, multiple routes to the mountaintop. 
And, you know, the way you get there is honestly all based on you as a person and your work ethic. Yeah, well, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. So we skipped around a little bit, but I want to talk mm-hmm. about the kind of the the middle part of your career here. Um, mm-hmm. So you began at 12 um, and now, you know, you're winning awards and you're doing cinematography now. But talk to me a little bit about that kind of transition experience. I know that you had got started doing music videos in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about that path? Yeah, uh, I, I try to tell people like, again, like, there's no one way to do this. Like my way into it is familiar, but it's not the, the the rule. Like it was just what I had to do at the time. I was doing a lot of music videos in Atlanta and I was also working uh, freelance at Turner Broadcasting okay. way before they even sold to AT&T to be sold to Warner Brothers. It was a golden age of Turner Broadcasting. But what I what happened to Turner is the skills that I learned at just being a shooter really came in handy there because at the time it was the um 5d mark t 5d mark ii digital revolution days red one was just a camera you know everything was going from film to digital so i existed at a time that was very beneficial to me because you had to really understanding how both of these systems work and how both of these optics work and how both of these like things were going to be joined together soon really made me I would say valuable to a lot of people during that time as we were transitioning from film to digital. I was learning digital. I was already shooting photography and I understood how to maximize these machines at a time where a lot of people were, you know, the older veterans were having to come back down and really relearn a process they had known for years and decades. And the newer guys like myself were, finding ways into this industry that were previously you were locked out of by nature of you couldn't afford like thousands of dollars of film stock. Mm -hmm. So you were just kind of stuck shooting on if you were like what you could be shooting on. So that's when this whole digital revolution of like music videos really started to flourish. Um, And that's kind of how I got my shot and my shine and my time uh, was really existing in Atlanta when you could just, be this person who wanted to shoot. Um, and I did that for a while, like about, I was in college, was like four or five years. And okay. Then, uh, yeah, did you go right to college around, in Atlanta? Yeah. Yeah. I went to SCAD Atlanta. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I actually went to SCAD Atlanta. I learned, I got a degree in film and television production. So I learned all my producing chops there, which is why I think I did so well as like a small business owner and entrepreneur because we were really just learning budgets and how those work and how fringes work and how to build your day out and talk, you know, all the things you really need to understand to, to make a project go. Um, I learned a lot of that at SCAD and that really transferred well to my career as an independent filmmaker and music video uh, director. And then after, uh, after about 2013, after about four, after about five years in Atlanta, that's when I moved to New York and that's when I really picked up and started doing a lot more commercial work. Um, and that's, that was kind of, that was kind of it for me. I really, really enjoyed doing commercials. Like, yeah, I like the creativity. I like the freedom. I like that. It's always different. I like that. Like everything's always different. The, the, the people that you work with, the brands, how you get it done, the things you're able to shoot. It really catered well to my ADHD, you know? So like, (laughs) And it and you were able to do a lot of things very quickly. Like 
where if you were in a unionized show and you might, you know, be on that show for like four or five months, which is nothing wrong with that at all. Um, Cause some people just, you know, want to work on their craft and like in an environment that allows them to grow that way. I knew I wanted to like have different things under my belt and different experiences and go from job to job, to job, to job. Like that's what really interested me. Um, and yeah, and here I am, you yeah. know, I know that's like a, a bridge story, but that that's really kind of, that's really kind of like the work that went into all that. Yeah, no, I think that's an important aspect of everything is kind of knowing yourself and knowing mm-hmm. what works for you. I mean, I think it's really interesting that some people would be shooting for, oh, okay, I want the, the, the job security. I want to be somewhere for four or five months, but that's not going to mm-hmm. work for everybody. So, you know, yeah. a ton of people that don't like to go into work and do the same thing every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I count myself with those people too. So I think that's, mm-hmm. that's important for people to think about, you know, do yeah. yourself and you have to, you mm-hmm. have to know yourself better to know what works for you. Um, especially as we're, you know, this podcast is for people that are interested in movie making and want to figure yeah. out, you know, where I fit in. And, and so that's important to think about, okay, how does that day, how does, how does your day look? How does your life look? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, so I just wanted to know specifically kind of like a, I had a flashback question about when you were coming up, what were some of your favorite um, TV shows and movies as a kid? Mm, as a kid. Yeah. Man, I haven't thought about this stuff in a while. Well, I I can tell you the the, the film, the film that really got me, and this is going to be a controversial answer, but I don't care. Ooh, I love (laughs) a controversial answer. Let's get it. I mean, to to uh, I'm a sci-fi nerd. I love science fiction. I love fantasy. The film that really kind of made me go, I want to do this for a living. Uh, was the Matrix Revolutions? Okay, wasn't the first. Wasn't the first wasn't Matrix. The first one. Interesting. Wasn't the first one. It wasn't the one that everyone was just like, "This is amazing." Like I saw the first Matrix, and I was like, "This is cool." Uh, but I remember when they said they were doing a sequel. That's when I really was just like, "Whoa, really?" Like I know the general thought and talk of the Matrix sequels are like they're not as good as the first one. Boo freaking who. All right. I, I was one of those few people who was like, I was so blown away with the first Matrix. I thought it was a great movie, just like everyone else, that when they said they were doing a sequel, I was like, real. I was like, oh, well, thank you. Like, I, I you know, like when you're just expect, like, I didn't think there'd be dessert, but I was like, I, I didn't think that the people who were just like poo poo in the sequels had any ground to stand on because I was just like, well, who are you? Like, right, they, they right. did a great story. And now they're giving you two more, and you, you have more. Right. Yeah, no, and, you, it's and true. you're compl- and you're complaining <laughs> about what? About what? Oh man, watch the first one over and over again. I don't care. Um, but this, the, those are the same people who say, "Yeah, I don't like that type of dessert. It's too sweet." I'm like, "It's too don't sweet. eat it. It's dessert, bro." Like, it, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, I I didn't understand why I ever like. I I was more so just excited to see where they wanted to go. Like, so that's why. No, I didn't know for years that those movies were bad until like <laughs> people told me. But those are the type of movies that I like. Like I really like movies for um the camaraderie. Like it brought a lot of people together. It was the only time I ever really saw a lot of my extended family. We go to the Magic Johnson Theater, Greenbrier Mall. Yes! Saw, Shut up. Yeah. Are you supposed to the Magic yeah. Johnson Theater at Greenbrier Mall? Magic Johnson Theater, Greenbrier Mall. We saw the first Transformers <laughs> there. We saw Bad Boys 2 there. We oh, saw Independence Day there. Like, 
we saw we saw the movies that like got people together and yeah i'm mentioning a lot of blockbusters but like that's the movies that we went right, to go see right. those are the type of movies that i loved as a kid so that's why matrix revolutions like when i saw that i saw that i was in high school by then and i saw it with a lot of my friends and we went to the midnight showing and i thought it was a great movie but the part that really kind of got me was when all the sentinels came out of that little hole and made that giant hand i never seen anything like that in my life as a filmmaker as a as a kid and i was afraid i was a scared i was scared I was like, oh my god <laughs> what is these i don't think they're gonna make it and i remember that feeling like in my chest and i was like man i want to do this to someone one day like that was kind of it like i want to give someone this feeling i love it and that was that's why i was like i gotta stand by that like because everyone's now now then i find out two years later that you know the movies that i like that got me into this are apparently trash because they're not no. black and white silent film no. made in french and i was like then nah. <laughs> nah, i gotta stand on my laurels and stand on what got me into this like i like movies that are have an edge they're action-based they're thrilling but they more so they bring a lot of people together like that, that those are the movies that i like and a lot of them are action films a lot of them are blockbusters but a lot of them i look at it's just like it's a story that a lot of people like and i like films for the story that a lot of that people that can bring people together like mm -hmm. That doesn't discount, you know, are are the the films that are very good. You know, your Venices, your Con Film Festivals, the ones that. But it's just like I like stories that can bring a lot of people together. Right, right. So that, and that's, I, I that's, don't think there's anything to be ashamed by. I think I think a lot no. of film film lovers are, um, or I guess film critics, snobs. But I think there are more fandoms now, and people are able to yeah. really appreciate and just like what they're what they like, you know. And I'm for that. I don't think yeah. there's anything um, bad about liking a film that's populist that everybody loves. I mean, that's so yeah. funny that yeah. you were like, everyone was, you know, had something to say about the second one. But I feel like when I heard there was a Black Panther 2 coming, I was like, what? Like, mm -hmm. let's make eight of those. Sign me up for everyone. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. I'm the same when it comes to a populist movie. Um, so what are you watching or enjoying right now? Oh, right now. Two things. The new um, interview with the vampire series on AMC. Okay. Yeah. Really, really well done. Very well written. It's a really good series. Even if you've read the book and you've seen the the, the movie, it's still really, really well done. Um, so that's one of the series that I'm watching. Um, and I'm watching The Expanse on Amazon as well. It's a sci-fi drama spans across like the entire known galaxy. Um, but it's really good if you are a science fiction person and you like politics. I know those sound like two boring things, but they're great. <laughs> they're done very, very well. It's very believable human characters. It's a lot of it's slow at the beginning. But again, if you are already naturally into that type of world building and mm -hmm. science fiction and just like compelling characters, diverse characters as well, like a lot of diversity That's in awesome. the galaxy. Um, it's really, really well done. And I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, those are the two that I'm actually watching. And then, you know, everything else is just kind of like, you know, Netflix on repeat. You know how yeah. it is. <laughs> so so as a cinematographer, do you find that you watch films differently? Like you were saying, you know, mm -hmm. you watch all these old fun films, but then everybody's like, oh, that film is trash. You know, now mm -hmm. they're just studying on French directors and black and whites or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, can you watch a film and enjoy it now or 
or or do you critique it in your head? Are you thinking like a cinematographer? Are you thinking like a director? Oh, they should have did this with that shot. Why did they do that shot like this? Yeah, not the first time through. I literally make a point to turn my head off. So I was just like, no, this someone else did a boop. Someone else did this. I don't have to worry about this. Like, <laughs> I, I take more... I, I push myself more to turn off because I'm in the industry. Uh-huh. So it's like, if I really want to see a project, like I, like I said, like that 10%, like I go in as a viewer, I go in as a fan. Now, the second time through, I'll probably do that. But that's only because I've already enjoyed it as a viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, I read scripts the same way, too. If someone sends me a project, like I tell them, like, I need I, I tell them, like, I'm going to need longer to read this because the first time I just want to read it through as I'm just reading it. I don't want to, like, stop and take notes because then mm-hmm. then, you know, you 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 kind of you kind of can't come back from that. Like, you kind of miss the artistry in the project if you go into it and your first idea is just like looking for the cracks or looking for the movie making or looking for the things that you understand. So I try my best not to do it. You know, and when I do find myself doing it, it's usually at a Gary that I like, you know, that I appreciate from a filmmaking standpoint, like, uh, or directing or sound. Get, ooh, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Into the Woods. It's an old musical. And I say old. Yeah, no, but of course, I've heard of it. And I know they updated it with Meryl Streep and all of that. Yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. So like Into the Woods, if it's on Disney Plus, if you ever had a chance, watch that. But the one thing I'll say, it's about Meryl Streep's character. Um, it builds and builds and builds. And I was like, okay, this is an okay film, but literally all of it was building to like one, I'm not giving anything away, but like Meryl Streep's character, when she finally has her moment on screen, I was really floored by that because that was the culmination of everything that she had done and into this moment and to see how her character responded to that. It felt really really well done and earned and that's when i was like mm. "Ooh, this is a good beat right here go ahead and it's meryl street like she I put mean, her whole she put her whole foot in it she, like, she, that was she kinda, rarely misses it is meryl that, that was one of the things i was like here's meryl just coming in at the three-point line and just making it look easy but like but that's that's just an example it's just like i turn my brain off i view i look at it as a viewer but if there's something that kind of rises above the regular movie making them, if that's mm-hmm. a word, whatever the hell it is, uh, those are the moments where I was just like, they, that good, I, I wanted to just like, good job to the director and the writer and the producer and everybody who made, like, I know this is a hard scene to make happen, but like, trust me, one weirdo in the audience got it. Like, we appreciate your hard work. I think so. Like, those are the moments where I'm just like, Oh, I want to shake everybody's hand. Like, you did a good job on this one. You know? I love it. I'm so I'm gonna have to make a note of that. Okay, into that's the second into the woods reference I've heard in two days. I was listening to a different podcast, yeah, and yeah. I heard um, uh, Billy Porter talk about how he was the first um, black man to play that character, the witch character on Broadway for mm. Into the Woods. He was casted for it, and then yeah. um, um, September 11th hit, and he wasn't able mm-hmm. to play it, but he was actually cast in it. So that's really interesting. All right, all right, into the woods. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. So as a, as a as just a movie appreciator, movie watcher, mm-hmm. is there a movie that you can recommend to our viewer, our our podcast listeners, um, where you would say the cinematography in that is beautiful, and you guys should check it out. Mm, maybe it's a, maybe it's a Mike Cook uh, project. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah! Love, as much as I'd love to tout my own stuff, definitely go watch Across the Tracks. It is on Amazon Prime. Ooh, uh, the cinem- 
Yeah, Across the Tracks on Amazon Prime. The cinematography in that is amazing. And that's because I directed and DP'd that project. So I think it's fantastic. Uh, but outside of my own body of work, oh, man. I mean, there's so many projects that are just, like, shot so well. I mean, I'll go I'll go a little classic first. I just finished watching this movie again. Uh, Barry Lyndon by Stanley Kubrick. Okay. If you can get through that movie, I recommend you watch it. It's shot very well. Um, it's long, but from a technical standpoint, it's a beautiful, beautifully shot movie that enhanced that. I like movies that like the cinematography really goes hand in hand with the story that it's telling. Yeah. It's not like a regular story. And then, you know, you want you want things to complement each other. You know, you know, I would hope one thing didn't stand out over the other. But Barry Lyndon, I just finished and I thought that was great. Um, what else has kind of like just floored me from a cinematography standpoint? I mean. Truthfully, anything done by Deacons, Roger Deacons, um, is always a good time. He makes really basic shots look really, really well done. And he has the ability to, like, really tie his cinematography in with with the projects he's shooting. I mean, two off the top of my head uh, that he shot that are really, really well done. uh, Skyfall uh, with James, you know, James Bond Mm -hmm. Skyfall and the Sicarios. Two really well done movies, two beautiful looking movies that both have his tank on it. Um, awesome! Yeah, well, those are great. Those are great. Yeah, writing. I'd start. I'd start there. Yeah, because I can. I can keep going. It really, <laughs> truthfully, honestly. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that for our listeners. So those are three solid suggestions. And mm-hmm. then I just wanted. I was just wondering, what are you working on currently, or anything that mm-hmm. you uh, recently done, or something that you have upcoming that you want to share with us, mm-hmm. or have us look out for from you. Oh, yeah, definitely be on the lookout for Freeman Hospitality. It's my next film. We just finished it. It's like literally we just finished it like last month. So we're gearing up for our 2023 festival run as we've applied to festivals and things like that. Um, But that's coming very soon. And it caters to a lot of the things that I love as a director and a writer. It takes place like 50 years in the, not 50, look, about 35 years in the future in South Georgia, it follows a black family run private security company. Mm-hmm. And they're living in this new Marshall dystopian world that, you know, we've turned into as you, if you've ever turned on the news. It's like not a not not a horrible way you can think how we got from A to B. Uh, but they run a private security company in Georgia and they're tasked to escort this journalist who has to basically interview a terrorist in the badlands of Georgia. So I really wanted to pull in the things that I love, like a strong black family, proficiency in firearms, uh, a science fiction edge that's kind of like has a heavy lens into the political sphere. Mm -hmm. It's a tight, very well done, very character driven drama. And yeah, I'm very excited about how it turned out. I'm very excited to show it to the world. And that's the next thing that's coming to me. Like I'm reading a couple of scripts. I've got a couple of things from people and producer in my inboxes, but like nothing that's worth telling right now like i'll send you the links when and if that the ink dries on those deals but as of right now freeman hospitality is my number one thing that i'm working on hospitality well i'm excited for you especially because knowing how much you love sci-fi and political together and you get to yourself well i just want to thank you so much for coming on and shining a light on cinematography and telling us the real deal behind the position of course um, you're really giving back to the community and we appreciate you so much for it. My final question for you is why is giving back to the community so important for you? 
Ooh, why is giving back to the community? So you should be doing anything me. on this day, but you decided to come and talk to us. And that's exclusively our purpose in this podcast, right? It's a yeah. black crew call. So it's to expose black people to uh, the plethora of positions that we have behind the camera. And you decided to come and do that with us. And so mm-hmm. I'm just wondering what's your why? My why for that is because it was done for me. Like I wouldn't be here if I did not have people. And that's why I kind of love the film industry as well. Like it's, you have to look back and help those up who came, who are coming behind you because that's the only way we keep this going. And nine times out of 10, the people who you really appreciate are the ones who that was done for them themselves. Like it's, it's one of these very few industries where like your hard work and your determination and your character as a person, as a human, really, 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 really matters. Mm-hmm. Like it does. Your character matters in this industry. So I I would I have someone who really strives to like be the best version of myself at all times. And I want to show that I want to show that to the people who are coming up, like why that's important and how I've succeeded by being uh that type of person so that's what i try to instill in anyone i teach like i teach a lot of not teach but i speak at a lot of high schools i speak to a lot of kids specifically in films specifically in small businesses and like just trying to show them that it is very possible to do this it is very possible to have a life doing this but you just have to be kind and you have to be patient and you also have to work with people and know that your skills one day you'll look back like like 10 years will flip fly, fly by and you'll be from one area to the next. And then up, it's up to you to then now nurture those who are trying to get on. Like that is, that is, that is what has been charged to you too much is to whom much is given much is expected. Like that's what I list, look at as well. So mm-hmm. that's my why I want to help the next one, the next Michael cook who's coming up and who really wants to do a thing, but may not understand how, or maybe doesn't even understand what they don't understand. You know, like they're just a, ready and willing and just don't know which way to go you know so that's why i'm always a proponent of like like not proponent i'm i'm always in favor of like helping those who need to be helped because there's not a lot of direction out there and you can spend a lot of time going in the wrong direction just burning wheels out so that's that's my why awesome well we appreciate you we thank you so much for coming on no um, we're signing off here, guys, with Black Crew Call. Join us next time when we'll be talking to a Black person in the crafts who's helping to make it happen. Like we always say, they can do it, and so can you. Have a good one, guys. Special thank you to Kala for our theme music and for editing on this episode. And special thank you to Kimbe Sullivan for creative consulting.